my name's David. It is so great to see you in the room without some masks on maybe this weekend. Man, I forgot how good looking some of y'all really are. And if you're watching online, I know you don't have on your mask. Let's welcome our online congregation. still our largest flock out there. We're glad y'all are watching today. And I want to welcome you along with any cicadas that tagged along on your clothes today or flew in. Also want to welcome the Briscoe family, our partner missionaries to Jordan. Uh, they and uh, all 19 of their kids are with us uh, here this weekend. Uh, they were sent out. I am so stinking proud of them. Listen, y'all, I know we sacrifice. These folks have sacrificed for the kingdom of God. And they're a treasure to us. And so we're glad you're here. You're going to hear for, more from them uh, this uh, next few weeks. But they're on furlough, taking care of some stuff. And they'll be around. Make sure you give them a hug. These are heroes. These are heroes. And uh, so some of us get sent, and some of us get the privilege of giving to send. And so you'll hear more from them. Also, my buddy Joe Sangle, my new BFF, is here. <laughs> Joe Sangle. He's a graduate of Purdue and Clemson. So he got a little southern accent. Praise God. We know we like that, but I've been reading his book, and we're going to talk about that later at the end of the service, but Joe basically been traveling across the country teaching people how to win with their money. I uh, mean, what a timely topic. We've been using it for our series, so uh, without further ado, I want you to give a warm whitewater welcome to Joe Sangle. Thank you, Pastor. Fired up. Good morning, church. Who's fired up to be at church? Yes, even those online, you you, you shouted online and scared the person in the other room. That's awesome. I'm so fired up to be here with you today in the series called I Was Broke. And I don't know, just by show of hands and those online, you can comment online. Who has ever been broke before? Like financially broke? Okay, that's awesome. I didn't ask who's broke right now. Um, so we're not going to figure out that yet. But here's what I know. If you're saying I was broke, like past tense, you're smiling. If you're saying I is broke... Not as much smiling, and you probably failed grammar class. Uh, so we don't want that to happen. Uh, before we dive into the message today, I do want to tell a little bit about my story so you can understand how I've been broke. And I grew up just up I-74 uh, near Shelbyville, Indiana. I really grew up in one of the millions of cornfields that you've seen. And uh, I went to a high school that had 200 students in the whole high school, 9th through 12th grade. And we drove our tractors to school for senior day, get fired up. The rich ones drove green ones. I didn't have a green one. I had a case, a 1953 case that had two speeds. So slow you didn't know it was moving. And the second one is I'm going to die. It's too fast. Indy 500. But anyhow, I, I grew up, uh, my parents had four boys. They, they really wanted a daughter. Their youngest boy is about five. And they said, we think we can have a girl. They, they had another baby on the way. And March 31st, at 10 o'clock at night, my mother went into labor. Now, what's the day after March 31st? Not March 32nd, April 1st, April Fool's Day. This is relevant to this story. And uh, she went into labor, and it's 10 o'clock at night, a couple hours before April Fool's Day. The nurse is listening to the woman with a stethoscope. She got this weird look and raced out and got the doctor and said, there's something wrong with the baby's heartbeat. And uh, the doctor came back and he listened and he broke into the big smile and said, there's nothing wrong with the baby's heartbeats. There's two of them. And my mother said what any mother would say in that moment. She said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. 
I'm going to have one baby and it better be a girl or I'm sending it back. That is an awful April Fool's Day joke. And the doctor smiled and said, I don't know about the boy or girl part, but there's two of them. Get ready. That's the moment my mother found out she was having twins. So a half hour later, my identical twin brother was born. Seven minutes later, I was born. Yes. She did not cheer. She cried. You can look it up. Some of you remember this. There was a tornado and an earthquake on April Fool's Day in 1974. And my mother felt like she lived in a tornado and earthquake for the next many years with six boys in the house. And she said, I am through trying to have a daughter. If we try again, we'll have triplet boys. We are through with this. So as you might imagine, money was a scarce object. My dad immediately had an idea that there were six people that he could put to work. And so we grew our food. And I don't know if you, we would put up a half acre of green beans Blue Lake Bush green beans, and they're a mega producer, much to my dismay as a child. Has anybody been blessed to have green bean picking day? Anybody? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you hate every one of them because later that day you get to snap them. And we put up 100 quarts a day, get fired up. We would have green beans about every meal. How do you want your eggs at breakfast? Here's a scoop of green beans. It was awesome. And then somehow as an adult, I found myself growing green beans. Something's wrong. I've become my parents. But money was scarce, but I really started my money journey when I decided to go to college. None of our four older brothers had went to college, but you know, I noticed that they went to work and college sounded better than working. And my guidance counselor kept jumping in front of me and saying, uh, you should fill out this application for this school. You should fill out this application for a school. My mailbox filled up with literature from colleges. Many parents have seen this happen if you have a junior or senior in high school. And uh, I, all of the applications came with an application fee, which meant I didn't have the money because I was broke. And then Purdue University had a free application. So I applied. And I didn't, I didn't put a lot of thought in what I wanted to study. I just went to my teacher and said, what job is needed in about five years? And two of the top five were engineering. So I signed up for the schools of engineering. Seven days later, I had an acceptance letter. And I said, I'm going. And so that's the amount as much of thought I put into my career. And so I went to Purdue and uh, I started my money journey for real. I started dating a girl and my finances headed into the ditch. <laughs> Has anybody ever had a relationship cause your finances to go into the ditch? Well, this girl, all she wanted to talk about was money. She just wanted more money, always had the handout. The only conversation was about money, and I found out she was dating lots of other people. Her name was Sally May, <laughs> student loan company. Does anybody know Sally May, Navient, Federal Direct Loan? Oh, yeah, somebody got some long-term relationships in the house. And so I financed all my college education. The jokes will get much worse, I'm just going to tell you. They won't get better. But I, I ended up financing all of my education, and I went through college, and my first week in there at Purdue, they offered me free stuff if I'd fill out a credit card application. So I filled out all of them. Even though it was many years ago, I remember it like it was yesterday. I wrote down, the application was very easy. What's your name? Joseph Sengel. What is your income? Zero dollars. What is your job? I do not have one. Is student a job? I don't know. Signed it, and they gave me, for that 30 seconds of labor, they gave me a free two liter of Coca-Cola get fired up. The next table, they gave me, a, AT&T had a card called the Universal Card, and they gave me a t-shirt 
that advertise their long distance service. The millennials are totally confused, right? But some of us here got broke because somebody talked too long on long distance, right? It used to cost you money. Young people, you do not know the pain we went through. It cost you money to call someone on the other side of town. It was unbelievable. Anyhow, think about data. It's similar to data. And then the next table, um, man, they gave me a duffel bag from American Express. And, and I admitted that I had no money and no job, yet guess what showed up in my mailbox one week later? A credit card. And guess what I did with it the next day? I started practicing with it. And I should have employed that wisdom from that kid's show that says, Swiper, no swiping. Come on, Vamanos, everybody, let's go. Some of you know that show, Door the Explorer. And the Swiper the Fox, what's he do? He steals stuff. And that's really what was happening. I was stealing, watch this, from my future. And so very soon I had a balance. And I graduated from Purdue with a degree in mechanical engineering, which is proof God works miracles. I didn't get a single A in any engineering class. I got an A in indoor flower arranging. Get fired up. And so I graduated. Um, some people graduated magna cum laude, summa cum laude. I graduated with less known. I was called thank the laude and got out of there. And, and I will tell you, I ended up, that was a thing. Because the only thing I'd ever seen done with money was one thing. What's that? Spend it. And I found out I had the spiritual gift of making money disappear. I was talented at it. I would go out to lunch, put it all on the credit card, and accidentally buy a truck. Like, I don't recommend it. But I, I ended up asking my college sweetheart to marry me. She said yes. I financed the engagement ring, the wedding ring, the wedding, and the honeymoon to Jamaica, all on the credit card. I'd been driving a car that had caught on fire not once, but twice. So I wanted a different car. Uh, I, I needed a different car, but I wanted a new car. So I financed a new car. And uh, I even financed a sales tax because I had no money. 105% financing for a new car. And uh, I got to pay $359.96 a month for many years after that. Isn't it weird how payments to the penny stick in our brains even long after they're gone? And, and then I uh, moved to South Carolina with a job transfer. And there were living specimens of palm trees. Unbelievable. You could play golf year-round. And the property taxes are almost nothing, and they have no laws or rules. They also don't have road signs. So it's a very special thing. And I moved there, and it was awesome. And uh, I needed a truck because I found this lost book of the Bible. First book of Hesitations, chapter 3, verse 2, says every guy needs a truck. And I made that up. But I bought one, 100% financing. And then we bought a house somehow, and then we needed furniture. And based on my track record, do you think we paid cash for it? Absolutely not. 24 months, same as cash. We had some furniture delivered to the house. And so, is anyone right now saying, I perceive this speaker to be a financial genius? <laughs> In fact, you may be saying what some people were saying, bless his heart. <laughs> Help him, Lord. And I found myself totally broke, saying I is broke. And I, here's the issue. I had a moment of recognition, but I didn't know how to fix it. Have you ever had a problem, but you didn't know how to fix it? It is one of the most frustrating things ever, such as your child permanently has a dirty room. You don't know how to get them to clean it. Parents, it's like an ongoing issue, and you don't know how to fix it. 
We'll give you some help with that this afternoon. We're going to give a little parenting advice in our financial learning experience. But I went on a journey, and I started seeking help, and I started watching infomercials. They weren't very helpful. I started buying some books. They started being helpful. I went to some classes. They helped me some more. And then I found the greatest money book ever written. Guess what that is? The Bible. Did you know that the Bible talks more about the topic of money than the topic of love, hope, and prayer combined? In fact, if you look at the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, one out of six verses talks about money or possessions. In fact, in those Gospels, Jesus shares uh, about these stories and he teaches principles through stories and they're called parables and there's 38 of them documented in those first four books, the Gospels. And of those 38 Gospels, Jesus used money or possessions to illustrate the point, 17 out of those 38 parables, almost half of them. Why would he do that? Because he knew we would all relate to it. Because money is an everyday issue, isn't it? And so today, I'm going to share my story, but what I want to really share is a key that helped me get unbroke. And this key, if you apply it to your life, some of you have already discovered it. But if you have not discovered it, and you're saying, Joe, have you been reading my mail? Well, this will unlock it. And so I want to start by reading a story, a miracle that Jesus provided. Uh, it's documented in the book of John. And we'll read the story in chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. And we're going to see this key unlocked today. John 6, 5 through 13, I'm going to read it. It says, when Jesus looked up, And saw a great crowd coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Can you hear the incredulousness in his voice? Like, yeah, right. But it continues. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there's plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Bible scholars say that with their families, there were somewhere between 10 and 15,000 people here. Okay? So watch this. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated, watch this, as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Here's the key, and I submit this thought for your consideration today, that giving is the key that helps us understand that there are needs way beyond ours. It helps us have a selfless life instead of a selfish life. It helps us to have a generous life instead of a greedy life. And it helps us have the Christ follower life of being a giver instead of a taker. Will you pray with me and invite God to be able to speak to each of us today? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this miracle you provided here that we read and reflected on today. God, I pray in these next few moments for every single person in this room, every person online. Help us know our next step towards you. God, if greed has invaded any area of our heart, God, I pray today would be the day it is chased out. Lord, may your spirit 
reign within us. May we be known as givers, as generous, as selfless. And it's in your name that we pray, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Today, I want to share with you from this story three things that happen when you do choose to give. You know, it's a choice to give. And there's three things that I can see in this story, and I see it throughout life. And the first thing that I see is that when we give, we honor God. When we give, we honor God. Think about this boy. He gave up his lunch. Now, he brought his lunch. All these other people, these scoundrels, they showed up without their lunch. But he had his lunch, and it would be so easy to keep his lunch. But by, by giving it to the Lord Jesus, he honored the Lord. And he reflected on a fact that whatever the Lord could do with it would be far more than what he could do with it. And that's a, a fact in our life. When we give, we honor the Lord. After all, he's the greatest giver isn't, ever, isn't he? For God so loved the world that he helped me gave his one and only son, and Jesus did, what did he do? He gave his one and only life, right, so that he could give us the free gift of salvation, a gift that we cannot earn. God is a giver. We're created in the image of God, and we are most like our maker, our creator, when we're giving. Doesn't giving feel so good? And when you choose to give to God's work through the local church, when you choose to give to missionaries and their unbelievable courageous work, when you give to the Lord's work, you honor him. And the reason God wants us to give, you know, all throughout God's word, he talks about this, this principle of tithing or first fruits. And the word first fruits, I've done detailed research on this. Uh, in the NIV, the word first fruits is mentioned 32 times. If you, if you like the King James Version, then thou shalt find it there 30 times. It's kind of a church joke. And then if you like the ESV edition, it's there 33 times. Hey, for fun, I look for the word last fruits. How many times do you think that's found in all editions combined? Exactly zero. So why does God want us to return the first fruits to his house? Why does he want us to do that? Is it because God is broke and needs our money? Absolutely not. In fact, Jesus reveals the reason in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. He reveals the reason why. See if you can see it. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Watch this. For where your treasure is, there your what? Heart will be also. If you want to get unbroke, if you want to say, I was broke, past tense. Listen, lean into this honoring the Lord with giving. It gets your attention. You can't give to God's work and not have it get your attention to manage the rest better. And it has part of your heart transfer with it. In fact, whenever you give, wherever your money goes, if you give it to General Motors, if you give it to Toyota, if you give it to Nissan, if you give it to the furniture company, if you give it to Capital One, right? What's in your wallet? Cash money, since I chopped that one up. But anyhow, if your heart transfers with it, right? Listen, where do you want your heart to be? It's incredible. And when I see this happen, it helps me understand one reason why I love my children so much. Think about how much money they cost me. Did you know they've done research, the average cost to get a child from zero to 17, watch this, $230,000 on average. 
So if you have one of your children sitting next to you, you can lean over and look at them and say, you're expensive. (laughs) But why does money transfer to them? Because you love them. Why do you love them? I submit, because your money is with them as well, partially. Also, they're cute and they're awesome and they're they're, they're gonna do great things in this world, right? But watch this, that doesn't even include college. You, you love your children, therefore money flows to your children. I'm told, grandparents, that it goes to a whole nother level when you become a grandparent. Is this true? That when you hold your first grandchild, you look at them and say, how in the world did good looks and intelligence skip generations? Straight from you to them, and your wallet levitates out of your pocket or purse. Is this true, grandparents? And so here, here's the fact. When you give, you honor God. And, and I, I remember this, this fact that in my life, I had to make a decision, even when I was broke, to say, I'm going to trust God and put him first. And can I tell you, as one of millions of witnesses, you cannot outgive God. You just cannot do it. And, and when you give, you honor him. In fact, Victor Hugo uh, was a, a French writer. He wrote a book in the 1850s. It became a runaway hit, smash hit, Broadway play. And I know some of you may be thinking this, but I'm not French. So when I kind of misenunciate this word, please don't hold it against me. But the name of his book, the play, is something like Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Well, I don't know. It looks like Les Miserables to me. <laughs> Who's with me? But it's something like Les Miserables, something like that, or Miserables, I don't know. He said something awesome, though, and we translated it to English, and I can pronounce that. It says, and we'll have it on the screen. Watch this statement. He, he was writing about the slums and the issues of poverty in Paris, and he said, you can give without loving, but watch this, but you can never love without giving. The great acts of love are done by those who are habitually performing small acts of kindness. We pardon to the extent that we love. And love is knowing that even when you're alone, you'll never be lonely again. And great happiness of life is the conviction that we are loved. Love for ourselves and even loved in spite of ourselves. He really just wrote the gospel. God loved us when we were unlovable. He's the greatest giver ever. And when you love something, when you love someone, you cannot help but have money flow to it. And it is impossible to say, I love God, and not be able to fund the things that matter to God. When you give, you honor God. The second thing that happens when we give is when we give, we bless others. When we give, we bless others. When this boy gave up his lunch, did it bless others? It fed 5,000 men and their families. Now, I'm telling you right now, I've been a young boy before, and I know some others have been here young boys before. And if you have older siblings like I do, like five older siblings, if, if I had my lunch and my brothers were with me and they did not have lunch, I'm not inclined to share it with them. I'm just, I'm not. This is something about sibling issues, right? And it's like, hey, too bad, so sad, go call dad. I'm not sharing this with you. I mean, the Lord has to work on us to share with siblings especially right? Because they didn't prepare. I prepared. But this boy chose to give up his lunch, and by doing so, it blessed 5,000 men and their families. How amazing is that? 
Listen, the lesson we can take here is we have no idea how powerful the gift we can give, how much impact it can have on the world, even though we may view it as small, just a simple meal, the ripple effect it could have around the world. We're reflecting on this ripple effect 2,000 years after it happened. How awesome is that? So this is where I learned the lesson that it's not how much I give, it's how much I give in proportion to how God has blessed me. And that when we give, it blesses others. In fact, it marked the early church. In Acts 4, 34 and 35, it says, there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. And friends, this is how we store up treasure in heaven. Jesus shared in Matthew 6, 19 through 21 about not storing up treasures on earth where moss and vermin destroy, thieves break and steal, but store up treasures in heaven. How do you do that? Well, it's reflected in Paul's letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19 that this is how you store up treasures in heaven. Watch this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Has anybody seen wealth be uncertain? Anybody remember March 23rd, 2020, when your 401k turned into a 201k, and we worried it was going to turn into a box of special K? Can I get a witness? And then it came back. It's uncertain. Watch this. We continue. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, watch this, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So they may take hold of, and I love this, of the life that is truly life. There's nothing greater than living life as a giver. And I see that there's two don'ts and five do's. We can rattle them off. You should not put your hope in wealth, and you should not be arrogant. That's what Paul wrote. So if you're being arrogant, knock it off, right? And, and, and if, you're, if you're trusting in your wealth, don't do that. And then he says five things to do. Put your hope in God, and watch this, do good, be rich in good deeds, be generous, be willing to share. That's how you can take hold of life that is truly life. In fact, I want us all to do a a thinking experiment here for a second. Online, I want you to do this too. Maybe you can share this in the notes online. Watch this. I want you to think of this. I want you to think of a gift you received sometime during your life. some gift. I want you to think of a gift you received. Maybe it's Christmas. Maybe it was a birthday. Maybe it was out of the blue. Maybe it was an anniversary. I want you to think of a gift. Do you have it? If so, kind of nod at me. Comment online. Do you have it? Okay. So let me ask you a question. When you were given that gift, did it bless you? I'm telling you right now, some of us are emotional about it right now, and it happened decades ago. See, when you give, it blesses others. And I think sometimes we forget that. I'll I'll never forget one such one for me, and why I'm emotional is because I know I'm getting ready to share the story, and I don't want to because I might cry. And I'll never forget it. It's when I was graduating high school, and, and that was a while ago, like 29 years ago. I don't know how that happened, but it did. 29 years went by like that. 
And I'll never forget that graduation because my parents threw a party for me and my twin. And it was immediately obvious the party was not for us. It was for my parents. Because they were sick and tired of having kids in the house. They had had 32 consecutive years. Their gift to me and my brother was luggage. Like for real. It was like, we love you, mean it, pack up, get out. Like they didn't even mask it. But I, rem- I don't remember anything else that happened that day other than me and my twin were sitting there and, and my friend's mom came up to give each of us a card. Now, let me tell you about my friend's mother. She was an immigrant. She had met a U.S. soldier overseas. They fell in love, got married, moved back to the States. She, she had very limited English. And uh, they quickly had started a family. They had three children. When they found out she was pregnant with their fourth, her husband, for reasons unknown to me, ran away and never came back. I never met him. My, my friend was the child that was her fourth child. And, and she had a chronic illness that prevented her from being able to work. And they lived in free government housing, free food, get the picture, poverty. But all I knew was, was my friend Jason and his family. And they were awesome. And they were at church every time the doors was open. And we were great friends. And we played basketball all the time. And Bob Knight, the coach at Indiana University, found out about it and sent shoes to their family from the basketball team. It was incredible. And, and I remember in this moment, so get the picture, poverty. She handed me a card, handed my twin a card. And when we opened it, in the card was a dollar bill. And then she told us in her broken English that she had ironed it so it would look new. And I remember in that moment saying, I cannot spend this dollar. And I jumped down. She was like this tall. And I jumped down and she, in her broken English, was smiling. And I gave her this hug and, and, and I filed that dollar away. And I said, I can never spend this because I had this moment like Jesus shares in Mark 12 when he was watching people give and he sees all these wealthy people give, but then the widow gave her few copper coins. And he said, she gave more than anybody because she gave all she had to live on. And I was blessed by that. In fact, many years later, I, after many moves, I was prompted to go find it. And, and guess what box I found it in? The very last box. That's where I found it. But I took off the top of the shoebox, and there it was. I saw it. And I had it framed, and I brought a picture. It stands outside my office with Mark 12, 41 through 44. That's the very dollar she gave me in her name, Evie Riley. I wish she was alive today because I was blessed more by that gift than any gift I've received in my life. So I tell you today, don't begrudge how much you can give. Give because God compelled you to do it. If you're in poverty, if you're the WWE figure at the bottom of the aquarium, or you're like, hey, you need to dig below it, I'm below that. Give in that moment because some will release out of you and it will bless others. You'll be the greatest thing that you will ever do. When you give, it blesses others. In fact, in our budget, we put God first every month and we put a second line item there called intentionally bless others. Every single month, we put together a budget. You do have a budget, don't you? Nod your head up and down. Others are averting their gaze. 
If you need help with a budget, this afternoon, 6.30 is the financial learning experience. I'm going to teach you how to do a budget that actually works. In fact, the financial learning experience, everybody should be a part of it. There's over 100 free financial tools, and I will show you how to win with your money God's way. We'll spend about 40 minutes on investing, 40 minutes on budgeting and debt, and another, the remainder of the time will be spent on how do we plan for this for the long haul and current events. But when you give, you bless others, right? You honor God. Put a line item in your budget called intentionally bless others. It's the greatest thing you ever do. And the third and final thing is when we give, we are blessed. We are blessed. And this is awesome. God's word is clear that when we give to his work, we are blessed. This boy who gave up his lunch, was he blessed? He walked away with 12 baskets of croutons. I'm sure it was. It was stale. 12 baskets. That's awesome. I'm glad it wasn't fish. That would have went bad fast. Right? But he was blessed. with. But listen, I would submit to you, more greater than, the, than that blessing of all that stuff, the temporal stuff, was the blessing of the story. For the rest of his life, do you think that boy would ever entertain anybody saying that you can outgive God or you shouldn't give to God? He would say, hey, come over here. Let me tell you a story. Unbelievable. And so I look in this story of, uh, of this boy. I see the miracle, and you see it throughout God's word. And he says in Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And as pastor shared, it's the only place where he says, test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And I can tell you as me and my bride started reading God's word and applying it to our life, we started seeing miracles take place. But we also saw challenges because if Satan can keep you broke, he can keep you living selfish instead of selfless. And he can keep you focused on you instead of the greater things. And I want you to get unbroke. And have you ever noticed when you say, we're going to live by a budget. We'll put God first. We'll start saving some money that your car tires will all go flat. The engine will break. And then like the refrigerator will start clanking, right? Have you seen this? It's because you have an enemy. Remind him who wins and give anyway. I'll finish with this story. I remember a pastor sharing this story uh, at a church about this size. And this was how the story was. They had, they had been growing and uh, they had went through several building projects and had expanded the facilities. Does that sound familiar, Whitewater? Anybody? And uh, a lady um, had heard that, you know, a few people were like, hey, when are we ever going to stop growing, that sort of thing. And uh, somebody wrote the pastor a letter to encourage him. And she wrote this letter, and this is how the letter went. She said, Pastor, I wanted to encourage you in this area of giving. And she said, you know, I want to share my story. And she shared this story, and she said, you know, me and my husband, we got married. We wanted to have a large family, but we had trouble having children. And after many years of trying and in vitro, we gave up. And then we found out unbelievable, miraculous news that we were expecting. And from the moment we found out we had a child on the way, that baby cost us money. We went crazy. And we started decorating a room, getting ready for this baby's arrival. And we found out it was a girl. 
and we spent a bunch of money on little girl clothes, and then she was born, and she cost more money. And then she, she grew like a weed, Pastor, and I kept having to buy more clothes, and she cost us more money. And then she went to school, and she cost us more money. And then she, she, she got involved in sports, and that cost us more money, and then it morphed into travel sports. And that cost us more money. Some parents can say amen to that. And she continued on and said, you know, as she turned 16, she wanted a car. And that cost us more money. And then insurance cost us more money. And then she wanted to go to college, and we sent her to college, and it cost us more money. And I'll never forget the day when she graduated from college, and we celebrated that day that she had graduated, and it cost us some money. We were so glad. And it wasn't much longer that we got a knock on the door in the middle of the night. And there was a police officer there saying, we regret to tell you that your daughter has been killed in an auto accident. And she wrote the pastor and said, you know, for the next two weeks, we walked around in a daze as we paid money to bury our daughter. And since that day, she has not cost us one dime. And she said, the reason I want to encourage you, pastor, about this area of giving is it is only living things that cost money. Only the dead cost nothing. So I encourage you, Whitewater Crossing, when something breaks in your household, celebrate it. Say, I can't wait to see how you provide this miracle, Lord, because it means I am living. When your child, like my son, breaks another thing, hey, hallelujah anyhow. He keep my car, this is awesome. Right, he's three. It will change your perspective. Listen, church, only the dead cost nothing. The reason that we get to give is we serve a living God with a living hope. And when we give, it honors him, it blesses others, and it positions us for the greatest blessing ever. I encourage you to attend the financial learning experience this evening. Will you pray with me as we hand the service back to Pastor? God, I pray for every family represented here today, gathered as a church online in this room. God, may we all discover the joy of giving, of generosity. For those who've already discovered it, Lord, may they be compelled to share others and invite them into the journey. And God, for those who've never trusted you enough to put you first, God, may they do it today. May they find you trustworthy because we know that your promises are not slack. And Jesus, we do pray for anyone who's never surrendered their life to you and received that free gift of salvation. As it's shared in Romans 10, 9, if we confess with our mouth that you are Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised you from the dead, we will be saved. We'll never get over that outrageous, generous gift of your life and your salvation. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.